Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is returning guest, you know her from Root Tales and Magic, and ODs, those stars of space, it's Carly Bernardo. Welcome what? back. Hello, hello. Ah, when I was young. I love it. I love to be introduced as an interesting person and remember when I was young. I mean, yeah, we've kind of solidified into ourselves and don't find ourselves interesting anymore, but we find each other interesting. So that's, that's, the a, that's the most important thing. thing. And yeah. I love, I love when people come on and they're like, "Thank you for saying that." We, we find you find me interesting. It's like, of course you're interesting. You do super interesting things. You know, it's very nice. So we're like we're nice. turning the turning the lens over. <laughs> you know, you know, it doesn't hurt to hear it. No, you know, it doesn't. Other. What I'll say to the other people I know that are listening right now, <laughs> it never hurts to say it to a friend. It doesn't support your local arts practitioner. Of different kinds. Uh, Carly, what are you bringing us? Ah, we're going to talk about Green Wing. Green Wing, the television show. So for anybody who wasn't a British comedy obsessive in the early aughts, what right. is Green Wing? So Green Wing is, uh, I'm going to say by... Location alone, uh, a comedy set in a hospital. Uh, it is not a medical comedy. Um, no. They practice very little medicine in it. Um, but it's a really unique show. Um, it feels, uh, it, it sort of feels loosely like a sketch show that they've kind of tried to hang on the skeleton of a narrative. Um, and there's a lot of, it's a huge cast of all your faves. It's got Tamsin Gregg. I've never pronounced her name right. Tamsin I don't Gregg. think I ever say it right either. I, I think, yeah, I think Tamsin Gregg is right. Yeah. Gregg okay. And it has yeah. Mark Heap, who I think is what brought me to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Rentut. It's uh, just so, Sue Gomez, who then went on to be a witch in the latest Sabrina, uh, the Teenage Witch adaptation she's great yeah i i haven't watched much of that show but she's incredible um she's also misty in doctor who oh yeah oh yeah oh here we go olivia coleman is knocking around olivia coleman knocking around not yet the meryl streep of the uk um Mm. and uh of course stephen mangan who like i found through this show and just love um so many great people um so yeah ensemble comedy Loose narrative, a lot of sketch vibes, a lot of improv, and I had just never seen anything like it before. When I how did you it. find how did you it? discover it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh. American. How did you find how it? How did you find this English thing? We have it forced down our throat by colonialism. How did you find it? You have choices. We don't. We don't have channels. You know, colonialism also takes place in America. Um, it was uh, <laughs> <true>. something, <laughs> I, let's see, I'm trying, I was trying to remember this in advance of recording because I think, I think it was through, I think it was this way. I think I found spaced through Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Then I threw, then through spaced, I found black books, I think, and also big train. So then I was fully mm. in love with, Mark Heap. And that's also how I found out about Tamsin Gregg. So then that led me to Green Wing. And how I watched this was I bought a Region 2 DVD player online. um, And I was importing UK DVDs through Amazon.co.uk because (laughs) you couldn't get it um, in the US otherwise. This is iconic. So that's how I found it. I love I love the finding of 
unregioned DVD. Like that is that's record store shit, you know. I it honestly really also fun. think once you've hit the big train level of it, <laughs> you're changed forever. Yeah. You're never coming back. Like Shadow of the Dead is is like the skin, you know. <laughs> big train's the bones. And yeah. You start getting by the bones, you're into the real weird shit, you know. And it's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. If you like, just follow Mark Heap's career from like. 99 up to about 2010 you get you're getting pretty much everything good out of british comedy mm. in that time period because there's all those and there's also like jam as well which you know? i never saw it's not on all four it's very hard to find now okay um, i only got it on dvd years later but it's very influ- influential on greenway because mm-hmm. the kind of ambient kind of almost music video equality where things slow down and speed up just to get through bits yes comes from jam because jam's oh. from like 99 2000 okay um, so that it was mentioned a lot of the time it's not really acknowledged much anymore just because it is really hard to find and it's super dark so it's very hard to recommend to people mm. yes because you need to you really need to have someone have will have to have gone through Brass Eye on the day today to be absolutely sure that they're okay with Jam yeah I yes. feel like if you if yeah. you balk at Brass Eye you're out you're out yeah so yeah. Brass Eye was another so Jam Brass Eye Smack the Pony the, I missed all of those but I did see Nighty Night is that the Oh, yeah. Julia Davis. Yeah, Julia, yeah. which is very dark. Mm. Um, just quick detour. She's married to Kevin Eldon, right? Her character's married to Kevin Eldon. He's like terminally mm. ill and she it's she's really terrible. <laughs> she's just <laughs> a really terrible, unlikable character, but it's kind of a fascinating and funny show. So it makes me think I could maybe handle Brass Eye and Jam, but I haven't tried them. Brass Eye's very funny. Okay. Mm. Like it's very of its time. But mm-hmm. I've always like I'd I'd be fairly tetchy now. Do you okay. know, if something annoys me, I'm like, fuck off and I never want to come back. <laughs> Logan Roy voice, fuck <laughs> off, never coming back. Like I'm very particular now. Um Brass Eye and, and Brass Eye because of its structure also fills a nation. Like okay. plenty of people thought it was real. Oh um, wow. And uh it's delivered so straight mm. that it becomes even more unhinged like it's dark you know okay, like it's okay. fucking bleak so yeah. um i don't know so, it's it's uh, a deeply subversive work like i would was say it, was his name chris morris is that chris morris yeah yeah yes 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 and he was he was the original boss on the it crowd he was right? yeah yeah so we're King matt yeah, barry's yeah. dad which is hilarious because <laughs> i feel like they're probably twins Same. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so, so, yeah, I, I had seen Shaun of the Dead, was really not, um, into zombie films at all, um, but couldn't resist it, uh, and then had to, had to, like, find more, and then the thing was, back then, you couldn't see it streaming or anything in the, in the U.S., so I was buying these DVDs, like, sight unseen, just trusting I was going to like them. Oh, it's Mm. cool. It's so romantic, isn't it? Just being like, I hope it's good. You can't do it anymore. You can't do it anymore. Um, But it was, yeah, it was very romantic. So, I I mean, to be perfectly honest, I I know uh, know the show uh, mainly is supposed to be, like, childhood and teenage obsessions. This was, I was in my early 20s when I found this, but it was so formative for me because I like I said I had just never seen anything like mm. it before and it was such a part of this crop of UK comedies that were so important to me I loved <laughs> them so much um yeah there's a coziness that, did to I answer it the question yeah so there, no, there's a coziness <laughs> to it which I was really surprised by and I think it's because the cast all know each other 
mm-hmm. and that doesn't feel like fuck you we all know each other <laughs> it feels like a right. mutually a mutual language Yes, it doesn't feel like you're watching, I'm sorry, a Seth Rogen movie uh, mm. where it's like, isn't it cool that we're all famous? Here's something that we really wanted to make. This felt, yeah. this felt more like, a, you know, it felt like you were watching a really seasoned improv troupe do a show. Um, and it's funny because when I had first watched it, I didn't, I had never done improv comedy and then, you know, cut to now, I've done years of improv comedy, um, which is not a brag. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now, now I recognize it. Now you recognize the scenes where they they went in with maybe a, a glimmer of an idea of what they were going to be talking about, but you can sort of see this is not scripted. Yeah, you can um, hear them finding their way through the gags or something. Like yeah, yeah. yes, you just find you just hear them like sort of discovering it um, together. It's I don't know. It's very fun. Like I said, I've never seen. I had never seen anything. I think it. yeah. If, I remember. How I came across it was Channel 4 uh, mm. and BBC 2 used to have a comedy block every Friday night. So you would like basically find your favourites from both of those channels every Friday. Mm-hmm. And so you'd always try the new stuff because like, that's where like Friends airs, where Frasier airs, where like who's ends it anyway and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Space, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember just trying the first episode and it, yeah, being like nothing I'd ever seen before. The, the quickness of yes. it. Even though it's an hour long, it flies by usually. Yes. Um, yes. Especially season, series one. Um, but just how, especially between Julian uh, Ryan Taunt and Stephen Mangan. I know. Are so quick with each other. I know. It's, it is a wild like level of like uh, connection between those two. Yes. Yeah. They must. Yeah. You know. And, and you, I'm sure, as an improviser, you can see how rare that is, probably, and also how special it is. It is. It, yeah. They. They. I mean, it's it's a corny thing to say, but like the trust there is very mm. apparent. Like you're you're throwing th- things out, knowing that your partner is going to pick them up and play with them and and make something of it. And uh, yeah, there's scenes together. That's the other thing that the pilot does so well is there are like we said, the cast is so large, mm-hmm. and there are so many interpersonal dynamics, and they set them all up really beautifully and in a really fun way, and you're immediately on board with. Mm. Like you immediately understand who these characters are, what their relationships are, um, and then Caroline comes in, who we love. I mean, I'm assuming. Do we all love Caroline? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, there's like on a rewatch, they are more unlikable than I remembered most of them, just because of <laughs> some of the jokes that they were given. Yes. Uh, re- yes. Yeah. I read an interview with Victoria Pilot Crater, and she was like, "Like you could not do a guy secretan now, and you wouldn't no. want to do a guy secretan now." That kind of Sleazebag with a heart to gold character is kind of done and he is from then. Like him, like Barney from How Much Your Mother. There's just yeah. that character is not happening anymore. Yeah. But he is he's enjoyable to watch just be horrible. Yeah. Except when it goes into things that we've agreed that we don't joke about, like the fat phobia <laughs> bits and the transphobia bits. Yes. Yeah. Which are, are more than I remember. Because when you said um we're gonna have to like talk around some stuff or maybe deal with some stuff, I was like, Is yeah. there that much in it? And then I was like, No, there is. Yeah, there is a there's a lot. There, there's a yeah. there's one episode in particular that I just rewatched, uh, jo- Joanna's birthday, um, where there's a lot of homophobic jokes and a mm-hmm. lot of like black jokes that are that are bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, yeah. oh god, poor oh, poor Lyndon. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's a character, Lyndon, I can't remember the actor's name. He's also in... Uh, Patterson Joseph. Patterson Joseph, who's wonderful. Yeah. He's also in uh, that Mitchell and Webb look, and he's also in Peep Show. Mm. Um, and he's just, he has no friends. That was what I was realizing <laughs> yeah. on this yeah. walkthrough, like watch through of the show is this poor man has no friends. He has all the women objectifying him. And then he has like best case scenario, indifference from some men and then outright hostility from Alan Statham. Outright like racist hostility. Racist har- hostility. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, I think he's like, the only black character in, the in the entire show. show. Episodes. Yeah. yeah. It's so I, you feel, you really feel for him. Um, but yeah, there there's definitely bits that that aged poorly, but I think uh, I don't know. I I hate to say it was a different time. I don't mean it was okay. It's just that like people accepted it back then in a way that yeah mm. they would not air that today. Um, Did you see um, Steve Albini's tread a couple months ago about like no. early two thousands humor? He was no. like basically we he's saying like basically like white people of of which I think all eight writers have. Uh, agreement were probably kind of assumed everything was sorted yes by then so <laughs> it did. was okay so it was okay to like put that in there because you knew because you didn't think it would affect anything and you thought you were very obviously making fun of people holding those opinions rather yes than the fact that in the actual act of putting them out there being in themselves harmful wasn't really a mainstream it wasn't a mainstream right topic of discussion then so, right but it, it was... doesn't excuse it and like yeah, that was kind of Steve Albini's point, which is a weird place for that point to come from. But he seems like genuinely remorseful about like the names of his bands and the Edgeworth stuff he did back then. So well, loads yeah. of those shows, loads of those golden mm. show that like things that were like you and I had this conversation when we did a spaced episode all where like it's mm. there's there's transphobic shit in spaced, mm-hmm. you know that feels fucking gross. It yeah. sucks, mm. you know, and um, there was like I love the Mighty Boosh. There is fucking blackface in the Mighty Boosh, my guy. Oh my I did gosh. not know that. I, did I didn't not... know that either. Yeah, there is. It, it doesn't. I mean, like, I I didn't cop it because I was very young and didn't understand. But there yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. is. And I had a T-shirt of that character. No, that I, no. That I wore to work. Yeah. Oh man, like different yeah. times, you know. And mm. you learn. But like you... Tony Rock had it. Mad Men had it. Also in Every... Philadelphia. Was... They. They all had blackface. Oh, Sonny like absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think with those looking back and trying to work out how to love something from a different time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which also contains these like sour, shitty parts, yes. is to look at them, name them and make better work yourself. Be yeah. better than that. You yeah. know? Like, treasure the parts that merit being treasured, if you can. Mm-hmm. And lots of things mm-hmm. don't hold up at all. <laughs> you know? True. But they it's pave true. way for discussion and they pave way for learning. Um, and they pave way to not do that bullshit again, even when you're... Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it, it is hard. It is hard. Like, Black Books has bad shit in it. Like, of course, oh, obviously. Yes. Black Books, which is literally only written by Dylan Moran, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Time is is a savage, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and you you really have to pay it pay the fuck attention. So it, it is tough going back and rewatch. Like I really wanted to do a Midsummer Murders podcast with my sister because we're mm. big Midsummer Murders heads, and we went back and we watched a couple of episodes and we we're like, fucking not, not touching it, man. <laughs> no, 
No. Nope. <gasps> I've never seen that one. It's great. It's great, I guess. It's not great. <laughs> it's not super fucking transphobic. Like, really, really, really Ooh. transphobic. Like, Buffalo Bill levels of transphobic. Like, really shitty depictions of things. And we watched it as children and we didn't really realise what was happening. Do you know? Right, so yes. All we I can do, do is have, have the equipment that we have and take the gorgeous bits and make of them what we will you know green wing is that is that cast it is that same gang of people who were subversive comics and at the time yeah. their subversion i could understand what they thought they were doing with their subversion but right it was it, it was one either it was born of ignorance that the the idea that we were somehow like post racist post homophobic mm-hmm. uh which unfortunately well, we, is yeah. still not we true just, we just weren't asking people <laughs> right we, yeah we just weren't that's that's what happens yeah. when you have the all white uh all cis presumably writers room is they don't mm-hmm. know what year was this out in again uh, oh, 2004 yeah. oh season one wow. season four season two that's nearly so that's it, nearly 20 years ago mm. No, it isn't. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hate to do no, it to you. I'm still 23 years old. I hate to do it to you. It is 2007. We are eagerly awaiting the second Black Party album. Tapes oh, and tapes are I, very exciting. I just got, um, oh God, uh, Silent Alarm on vinyl and I'm so excited about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that but- is... It is. That's, we, we should talk about Silent Alarm sometime. Um, we should. Yeah. We should. Oh, we really yeah. should. I would love that. Mm-hmm. I would really love that. Hey, okay. tell us, hey, tell us the plot of Greenwing. <laughs> okay, the plot of Greenwing. Ooh. Now um, that we've so yelled about it and told the truth about it, tell us the plot of it. Now, now we should do that. It is actually good, though. Yeah. It is, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, obviously, it's something that I still derive joy from. The mm. parts that are good, as, as Sarah said, the parts that are worth celebrating. So, uh, Greenwing is about, um, it's about this hospital. I believe it's a, quite a fictional hospital. Um, and it's staff, and then Caroline, Dr. Caroline Todd, played by Tamsin Gregg, joins the staff, and there's some fuss about her joining, and yeah, basically her, it's, we're sort of navigating the social structure, I would say, of the hospital, mm. partly through her eyes, and then partly through the folks that have already been there for a long time. Um, there's a lot of interpersonal <clears throat> dynamics that are like that have a like a little juice and then there are some that have a lot of juice like dr ellen statham played by mark heap and his on again off again romance with joanna clore whose actress i don't remember the name um pippa haywood or haywood oh yes yeah Yeah, yeah, i think you're right um it's great i mean there's just so many fun interesting relationships and uh i mean that's the, the 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 largest string is probably narrative string is probably the romance uh, love triangle between Caroline Todd, um, Guy Secretan, and Dr. McCartney, uh, played by Julian Reintide, Um Who I don't know. I I, I want to do the sort of Ben and Noel thing, which is like, who would you put her with uh, out of Guy and Mac? You know what? On the second rewatch, can, can you kind of assume you should go for Mac? Because that's what guy they, is yeah. is horrible. Yeah, he's a really like terrible human being, but he is reliable. That's how I Mac, feel. Mac is quite a he's, he's a thing. Like guy says this, and he's kind of has a vested interest in saying Mac does not follow through on stuff. Yeah, he will not follow through on anything he is committed to you on. But also, it is true. It is true. He um, flakes off in every direction every chance he gets. I I think I think he's 
cruel in a way that is not as apparent as Guy's cruelty. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes him a little more dangerous. <laughs> because he does engage in all the like, um, like, have you done that nurse? Have you done that nurse? Yeah. Chat. Yes. But he somehow gets, just seems a, above, it. above it. Is. Right. Yeah, yeah. But he's but not. But he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I actually think, you know, Realistically, I wouldn't want Caroline to wind up with either of them, but this is who mm-hmm. the show is like kind of pitting against each other. Although Darren Boyd does play a kind of lovely guy that comes in as a romantic interest for her, right? In season two. Uh, Jake, yeah, the uh, holistic therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's so sweet. And I was like, just pick him. <laughs> just be with him. I don't want to. Oh, gosh, Sarah, you're watching for the first no, time. No, I, I am spoiler impervious, right? Okay. And I, because <laughs> yeah. there are so many people and I have a brain like a sieve, people. <laughs> I need to know what to expect and what to look out for. Do you know what I okay. mean? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah. I find that ensemble level fabulous. There's so much yeah. happening all of the time and the pacing at which all the sort of moments and sketches unfold. Mm-hmm. So understanding that there is actually a character, tr- like a tree underneath all of these swishing leaves yeah. is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I would say it's, I would say it's fairly loose though. You know, there are, mm-hmm. there are a lot of scenes mm-hmm. that don't, move the narrative forward at all and don't even really develop the characters at all good Um, but they're still really fun they're still fun yes some of them are just like screensavers between narrative bits like (laughs) sometimes two characters will just like cartwheel down a hall yeah and that would be a scene yes good good Uh, or yeah it's it's really it it is that and that's kind of that's how you get through the hour of it because you're not being hit with story for an hour you're getting it does feel like there's like it she victoria paz said it's a sketch sitcom soap. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly so, what comes through. You're. It's all coming in and out the whole time. Um, and there's so many characters. So even if there is, if, if you do get a bit bogged down in the um, Mac Carline guy stuff, the uh, human resources section. Yes. Never interact with them really at all. They're a totally separate group of people. Right. And that's where Livia Coleman is, obviously. Um, yeah. She's so yeah. young as well. She's so baby. Yeah. She's yeah. such like, a little baby. And uh, I don't understand why they're all so mean to Karen. <laughs> there's, there's this character, Karen. They're so ruthlessly mean to her. And I just don't understand. I remember seeing her pop up in um, The Thick of It. And she's a much more, that actor is a much more like self-possessed, confident character. I was like, thank mm. God. Like, thank you for reminding me that this isn't this woman's life. Is She's constantly abused by her co-workers. Yeah. I love well, mean shit yeah. though, man. Like, I, <laughs> mm, like, I do. <laughs> when everyone is like equipped quasi-equally for mm-hmm. mean shit, more or mm-hmm. less. Like, oh, Karen isn't though. <laughs> But that's well, okay. like, is she fine? <laughs> there has to be. She, like, she could be. Like, she should well, be. Well, that's the thing, because if you probably don't remember, but at, at the, in, like, the second last episode of season two, she gets knocked out a window. <laughs> and then never, and they, you never hear from her again. Well, no, they don't realize she's gone. There's yeah. people leaving cups of tea at her desk for the no. rest of that episode. Then she comes back the next episode completely transformed in, like, a white parasuit. And she is just everybody's boss all of a sudden. Like, it just did knock fixes her and she becomes this very strong character but just for that one episode that's it but like yeah she they really they're quite mean physically to all the actors I think <laughs> they are yeah. yeah I always wonder about that anytime like Veep did this a lot where Veep mm. would have oh with Jonah yeah oh god right yeah. Veep would have these incredible jokes 
that were mm. clearly written about the actor playing. Like, this is about your face or your <laughs> height or your body. And it's like, yeah. but they're so good. It's like, I guess you just have to be good with who you are or you trust mm. the people you're working with. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Rude Tales crew could, could say pretty much anything to me. But the, like there would come a, a point where I'd be like, ow, ow, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just, okay, now give me, like, a compliment, please. Like, that would be nice to me. That would be nice to me. Yeah, now be nice. Um, See, I think they were saying they they played a game, like, when they were, like, getting to know each other. Of, like, who's the... And they, they play it, actually, the characters play it near the end of season two as well. Who's the best and worst famous person you've ever been compared to looks wise oh wow and Stephen Manga oh, did say my. he'd be compared to the donkey from Shrek so we're like well that's going to the show <laughs> that's a fucking terrible thing that is the worst game that is terrible yeah. mm-hmm. that is uh, yeah that, that's, that's hurt that's hurting that's hurting well, so Karen and Mark especially get a, a lot of quite personal um, <laughs> but stuff like they can't really change about I know, themselves. I <laughs> yeah. know. You kind of have to trust the people that you're playing with. Exactly. Like, mm. you have to. Like, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia crowd get that really mm. right in mm. terms of, like, just saying the god-awfulest worst shit to each other. But, like, I don't know, man. It feels like watching jousting or something. It feels like watching, like, a <laughs> fucking high-level death sport. Right. Like, I simply could not tolerate that. However, right. I love yeah. it for you. Like, yeah. you know, it's thrilling to watch. If I tried this, I would get killed. But you mm. make it look like art. I have only been roasted yeah. exactly once, and it was enough. <laughs> once was want, it, and it was correct. It. Everything they said was fucking abjectly correct. It was very, they mostly just read out my tweets. Like oh, it was very bless. bad. It was very bad. But like you, you. Some people, I think actors especially, are made molecularly of something different. Yeah. Like they play characters. So the operative word there is play. And like, right. I guess there's meant to be fun or a removal from reality within that playfulness, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you're made of something different if mm-hmm. you can just accept the rules of that fiction. And have fun with it, even though people are saying god awful shit to you. That is true. <laughs> yeah, because Stephen Mangan like... is objectively a handsome man. The guy who plays Martin, he takes off his shirt at one point, and he is just like ripped underneath I the shirt. Like... And he's an amazing dancer as well. Dude. He has his like his uh, he's a oh like that an pat- exam nightmare. Yeah, and he does a dance sequence, and he can move properly. I think he's like a trained theater like show dancer. A lot oh. of them come from theater as well. I think Stephen uh. Mangan was like was in theatre for years then he broke out with Greenwing Tams and Greg has won, has won like Olivier Awards and stuff I think oh wow so they're all like good good actors but also from yeah. a theatre background and theatre people if there's any theatre people listening I respect you but are demented <laughs> do you know <laughs> and I mean that with the most respect from the bottom of my heart I don't know how they do what they fucking do like they're up on those stages touching each other and shit do you know right. like they have to play again they have to physically play with each other they have to bounce back from things you know like i yeah. i don't know i think it makes sense to me that someone like tams and greg would be like a stage professional you know mm-hmm. yeah like mm-hmm. speaking of like physical play um alan statham and joanna <gasps> Cora, oh, oh their my sex god. is the oh my gosh. weirdest sex i've ever seen on like on screen and <laughs> i don't truly. know how they allowed each other to do that to each other the level of commitment they have to what 
they do to each other is insane. There's a there's a shot the way they manhandle each other. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so there's so manhandling. There's a there's a scene where Alan is like has her foot in his mouth and is like (laughs) yeah is like. I'm sorry to be crude, but it's like jerking off her calf practically, like mm-hmm. while he's Amazing. and Gross. I almost I almost gagged while I was watching yeah. it because and and again like that the trust there yeah. to be like okay I mean you have to hope they trusted each other right I I, 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 suspect I don't was think not there's an like intimacy a fucking, counselor there I was gonna say where's yeah. the intimacy coordinator I do yeah. not think in the year of our Lord 2004 the phrase is intimacy and court like if you were an intimacy coordinator in 2004 call me I want to know your I want to know your story <laughs> but I don't think that that was happening on no I don't either I think it was just you know there and I've I have I have like met and worked with people through doing comedy that had that kind of trust with each other and could and like a lot of it is just being able to separate reality and play like a lot of it is just like we're not actually come on we're not actually having sex these are these characters are having sex i'm doing my job so there there is like a professionalism to it that that i feel i still feel like a little baby brain and i kind of feel like but (laughs) you're your foot is in his mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I just, I, that's the other thing. I don't know how they didn't break more, you know? Mm. I mean. Um, I read that Tamsin Greg, they didn't write her into many scenes at Marquee because she could not keep a straight face at Marquee, which I don't blame her for, really. And that's why I think she had her mask up a lot in the surgery scenes. Sure. And you, you can't see her about to break sometimes. If you, you watch, have you watched Friday Night Dinner? Yes. Yes, you know her and Marquee in that. She used to yeah. see her crack in that a lot. <laughs> they cut away from her just as she's about to crack regularly. In that. I watched a lot of it over lockdown. Um, he's such a so wonderful yeah. weirdo in that too. Yeah, he's like, um, for anybody who's seen Friday Night Dinner, it's basically he's playing like Alan Statham completely removed of all status. It's like a lot of Alan Statham never found something to do with his life. Right. That is Marquee in Friday Night Dinner. Oh, just God. watching Marquis recoil from something is the purest joy in life. He's, he's just, just extra- such an amazing he's such an physical. Extra- yeah. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly what yeah. you were saying. An extraordinary physical performer. Yeah. He used to be a juggler. He was a circus, like a circus performer. Yeah. Have you ever watched his like 80s routine? Like his like old juggler routine? No. It's on YouTube. <gasps> and it is actually really funny. But he's like, it's him like and his partner trying to steal the scene from each other and be like genuinely quite angry at each other whilst juggling like knives and stuff. Oh, wow. But he like they I think in Green, they said like they got used his circus skills as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Anything they could get him to like when he's like playing ping pong, like off mm-hmm. a wall for an entire scene. Or there's one bit where he like catches the ball in midair, throws it up in the air, catches it in his pocket. Yes. Yeah. And just keeps walking. Stuff like that. And then Steve Mangan does it with a phone later on. So obviously he got Marquis to teach it to him. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it must have been kind of a fun set. I think probably depending on who, what character you played, it was probably mm. a pretty fun set. Like, I mean, if you were Guy and uh, Mac, you were probably having mm. the best time. Um, yeah. yeah. There's even a bit where he, where uh, Alan picks up the phone and catches, like kind of flings the phone and catches it in his hand. Yes. They even like slow it down to showcase how cool it is mm-hmm. it's like a little unfair that this really uncool character can do things like that <laughs> yeah but it's yeah and Tamsin Greg seeing her on screen when I was that age was so important to me because I think I had the same exact haircut 
And mm-hmm. I was used to seeing actresses with really like small faces, delicate little faces and like delicate little bodies. And she just looked like a real person. Yeah, a real that, Like she and like I even had a really similar like short sleeve terry cloth green like army green hoodie as she's wearing in the first scene that we see her in and i was just like oh she's real like i could i like i could do something like this i mean i know it sounds silly but it really meant a lot to me to see that and uh knowing like i I had read an interview with her where she says that she corpses a lot and and Mm. just like i knew that i was going to be that kind of person if i ever performed Mm. and like surprise i am (laughs) Um, I laugh a lot when I'm performing. Um, it just, it, she felt the closest I had ever seen to like seeing myself on, Mm -hmm. on screen. It was really cool. And having her be surrounded by these characters who like preen so much and especially Sarah Alexander's character who we haven't really talked about, but who I love. She plays Angela Mm -hmm. and she's just so perfect. And having... Caroline be like beautiful in a different way in a less like Hollywood way and have her be the object of affection for three different doctors in this hospital mm-hmm. was so cool like it gave me hope I was such a I was such a little nerd and I had like such little like romantic experience and I was like oh it could happen for you <laughs> like <laughs> someone's gonna be into this <laughs> this is <good laughs> rules so yeah she she meant a lot to me seeing her yeah at that age. What I noticed, because I, I already watched full thing because I'm off this week, so I watched the whole thing again. She has such an interesting walk mm-hmm. as Caroline. It's, it, and it's Caroline's walk, it's not Thompson Gregg's walk. Right. Where it's like, she's always trying to like unstick the side of her pants from her leg. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's yeah. almost a cow, like an awkward cowboy swagger almost. Yes, it's almost and, a lumber. Yeah. <laughs> where Sarah's Alexander is just like sashaying around the place. And then later mm-hmm. on when Sally Phillips comes in, um, exact same thing yeah um sally phillips comes in as um max x mm-hmm. uh, girlfriend who's come back to try ruin his life essentially and then sally phillips is like glowing <laughs> in a traditional way in every episode the way sally phillips does yeah yeah she's wonderful yeah. yeah i mean just so many like for a person discovering british comedy on mm-hmm. the other side of the atlantic uh just so many threads to follow to find more yes. stuff that you love um, we haven't really talked much about Sue Gomez's character. Sue, is it Sue Gomez? Uh, Michelle Gomez's character. Michelle Gomez, and she Sue plays White. Sue White. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she, and on a show that was like nothing I had ever seen, she is like a character I had never seen before. No, like in terms of commitments. Yeah. Like it's so her chaotic. And go the hardest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just so chaotic. Mm-hmm. But somehow doesn't lose you. You know, if something is too going out of its way to be too weird or too like loud or too enigmatic, after a while, I'm like, thank you, that's enough. But she really kept kept you going. I felt I felt like it does. Like it all feels like it springs from her character. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they've just like written a lot of surreal bits and thrown them onto the, the Sue White character. Uh huh. Like they came up with this character and was like, like literally like. Last week, I said to my wife, you don't see people, like, lighting matches off their butts anymore. <laughs> and then she literally did that in an episode I watched yesterday. She's just, yeah, she's just an incre- another really incredible performer. 
And I loved watching her. I mean, uh, th- that's a really good example of like if you're wondering which scenes were probably improvised, I feel like most of the one-on-one meetings that she has with the characters yeah. are like, okay, let's do a scene about this. And then they, they improvise their way through it. Yes, because literally the there's like a like a recurring like visual thing of just a characters planting themselves into her seat from off screen and it's them like starting. Uh-huh. Um and so it's so like Stephen Mangan is incredible with her. Oh the god, their scenes are so good together. Yeah, yeah, they really bounce off each other really well. Um she doesn't Hmm. Yeah, and Marquis obviously as well. She's incredible with. Yeah. Um But yeah, it does feel like because those those scenes have a lot of the slow you up, speedy down thing. Yes. So they're obviously they're giving very, very, very long takes for yeah. two white scenes. So there's obviously a load happening. They're just letting it happen and play out. And you can see yeah. her break in at least one of them. Mm. Uh, and like kind of, cr- and I I was stunned. I was so proud of Tamsin Greg for not <laughs> being the one who broke in that scene. <laughs> She's sitting yeah. there like a rock. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Gomez is like losing it and has to like wave her face to like calm down. And they, but I love that they keep it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just added to it adds to the surrealness of it all. Yeah, you know, it, it has a very dreamlike quality. Mm. And then to counterpoint that, I guess it's mostly filmed in a real hospital, or right. series one especially, and it feels much. It feels really different. It doesn't. Well, in studio in season two, they go to more studio sets okay and the energy is lost yes because the camera's more fixed because the camera's moving around the whole time in the series when it never really stays mm-hmm. at rest anytime and it's just all the like bric-a-brac of a real hospital around them so it just it it grounds everything yeah Whereas when it's put into a more of a studio set that's like dressed rather than just organically there yeah the stuff feels a bit more stagey and a bit more soapy and it doesn't work quite as well i but think series so. one when it's in the real hospital it's just oh it works so well. There's also something about so it is it does ground it, but there's also a little bit of like they it feels like they broke into this hospital and decided <laughs> yeah. to stage a show in it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there is a little bit of like you don't really belong here. Like you you some you of these are I've got like actor face. Yeah, exactly. And it's what are these symmetrical hot people doing? Fuck <laughs> off. Fuck off now. Go away. Um one of my favorite dynamics is uh, Dr. Satham and uh, Oliver, right? Oliver oh, Chris's yeah, character? Oh, yeah, yeah, voice. Yeah. Voice, 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 that's yeah. right. And those scenes are incredible because um, Oliver Chris, who plays Boyce, will just stand there while Mark Heap, like, slaps him, like, Puts his puts his like pointer up his nose and in his mouth and, and just <laughs> Jig- like <laughs> jiggling his teeth with it. Like jiggles his teeth, <laughs> does all these things to him, and and Oliver Chris almost never breaks. There's a mm-hmm. guy I I've started clocking one of the male doctors who stands in the background who breaks reliably every single time, <laughs> <laughs> just watching it happen, and mm-hmm. that would be me. And then Oliver Chris is just like rock steady. There's one moment where he kind of kind of giggles with his mouth completely closed and like really holds tight to it I, that to me is a superpower i don't know how i don't know how he does that no i have I, the, I have no idea how anyone does it man like i did i did youth theater i did all those early dramas of did improv as a teenager physically not cut out for it if i start to find something funny 
You saw it before we started recording. I will start. My sister once told me that I think I'm the funniest person in the world. And that's my ruination. Because I'll just start laughing and then I'm like, cool, fuck this. Watching those sketch shows when they are all so tightly acquainted. Yeah. And there's obviously something happening under the scene also. Which is normally what makes people break, right? Right. Right. The other thing. Uh Uh, the, The sort of the sense of the actors wrecking each other's do you know do you know what i mean like there's some there's a load of moving parts that goes into that shit i yeah. think people who can do funny shit together and not laugh mm-hmm. are geniuses like <laughs> yeah i just i just I don't, don't have it i don't have it can't do it i it's not the most important thing but it's no, a remarkable but... thing to witness like it's absolutely incredible i mean i you think know? Sometimes, like, sometimes it's a delight to see. And then other times, like, those those scenes between Dr. Statham and Dr. Boyce wouldn't work if he was laughing. There has to be a, a seriousness. Yeah. Yeah. He has to, he can't let, like, I feel like that would be giving in to Dr. Statham. And he can never, like, it only makes Statham more frustrated that he can't yeah, yeah. affect yeah. Boyce. It's just incredible. I mean... I've like had to leave the stage before. Excellent. <laughs> Doing shows. I once my friend Woody said something to me that made me laugh so like I couldn't recover uh, that I ex- there was a door on the stage and I exited through the door. Sweat <laughs> outside. I couldn't do it. I like had to leave. I like I knew that like if I stayed, they were just gonna be watching me laugh for minutes and it was like I'm just gonna leave the scene instead. <laughs> um I just think it's I don't know, it's just it's just incredible. And I remember being young and reading uh, interviews with comedians, and they always talked about how obsessed with comedy they were when they were younger and when they were children. And I was like, I don't really think I'm like that. And now I'm realizing, yeah, no, you were. Like, you took in a lot <laughs> of comedy yeah. as a kid and as a youth. And, uh, and this was like, this was a big one. Because it had that absurdity that I really loved that, like, a lot of American comedy, I think, of the time didn't really do. I don't know if we do absurdism quite the same. I think you guys do incredible sharp wit and sarcasm and farce really beautifully. Mm -hmm. But I think there is a real surrealist streak to that oeuvre of British comedy. Yeah. Like, a weirdness. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I don't, I look at those shows now and I'm like, how the fuck were you allowed to have so much fun? <laughs> well, I'm curious, how are like- you allowed to go in there and be yourselves? <laughs> I know, I know. You know. And just do something that made you laugh. And I'm curious, yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of, I've always sort of assumed that the distance uh, between me as an American and like watching British comedy, that that sort of added to the kind of magic of it for me but I'm curious mm. if it felt if it if you all felt that sort of surrealness watching it too like if it felt just a little bit you know it didn't feel like they were trying to capture reality they no. were making their own reality yes oh my yeah. god you nailed it that's exactly it you're not yeah. watching someone you're watching something personal yeah you know, yes. the character's personal perspectives you're mm-hmm. not watching the real world right right like yeah. it's it's inherently silly. Yes. So you go well, in accepting like, that it's silly. Like in Greenwing, 
it's all comes from character. Like there's no there's no inciting incident really. Right. In, yeah, it's so of for anything. They, they have, Everyone I, just arrives for work every morning and it's just a day shows in, up. It's just showing in up the for hospital. work. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've yeah. only watched the first episode and I was like completely I got that really particular and I feel like Carly this is what you're talking about when you talk about like ordering in the DVDs and this sort of heady obsession. I was like Yeah. There it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's that feeling. And I haven't yeah. had it in years. Like I used to feel like that about did you watch much Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer? Uh only a little bit. Yeah. I I didn't have much of their stuff. So they did a show around that time, which was a remake of a nineteen seventies um detective show. Okay. Called uh, Randall and Hopkirk Deceased. It came out in the year 2000. It's about okay. a detective and his dead partner, who is a ghost, oh, wow. who helps him solve crimes. It's fucking super weird. Super <laughs> weird. Really good. They are weird. They're super yeah. weird, right? Yeah. But I think that, like, there is a. In the T. I don't know about you, Al, but, like, in the TV shows that I watched before, like, as a. Like, as a teenager and as, as a kid and all of these sort of. That post spaced in and around spaced stuff like yeah. there's no sense that you're watching something that's trying to be real mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. like yeah well, i guess like the the major like ancestor for most like all british comedy is like um like spike milligan and the goonies and monty python yeah, monty python, yeah. whereas in america i think it's more the catskills kind of joke writers kind of yeah joke it's thing. more like so it's a different lineage classic sitcom yeah and i think it is interesting where Sweelum's baked into and observational comedy. humor americans yeah. like uh, like really great observational humor and critical humor you know yeah whereas monty python's like is is what it is like yeah yeah and and of course yeah like drawing from different traditions slightly although i think there's probably you know a lot of shared ancestry but when i think mm. like monty python obviously sketch which like comes more i'd say from theater roots like more like vaudeville mm-hmm. um, definitely yeah 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 and uh and i think that like theatricality like even even a comedy like absolutely fabulous where oh it's not God. it's not like it's not particularly surrealist but it like it's not real either. it's very heightened mm. it's very calm yeah how have we never done an episode on absolutely fabulous wait can we also do it can okay. we do our <laughs> next two episodes abfab and uh and silent alarm Black party yeah, yeah i tell you what because okay. i would i i won't start talking about what patsy stone did to me personally <gasps> <laughs> Sarah, we can't get started on Patsy. It's not going to start. <laughs> we can't do this to Alan again. Just can't. Yeah, I will, I will be the newcomer for absolutely fabulous. Right? You'll so. love it, Alan. It's it's of its time. It's of its time. But it's <laughs> it is very of its very time. funny. It's very um, fun. and it's women. It's all women talking, which is fucking again great for its time. And um, what were you going to say about Abfab before I? Was oh like, well, just. <laughs> but it is. It's like so. Abfab. Uh, just really briefly. There's nothing that's by it like by its nature should be surreal but i do remember watching that as that i watched much younger because it's an older show and it always felt again it did not feel real to me it did not feel like it was trying for realism it did not feel like they were real people so Uh, over the top yeah they weren't trying to get me to relate to them no (laughs) i I picked up that shit wrong and i was like i will bleach my hair and put 15 cigarettes in my mouth at once drinking stolly from the bottle and telling everyone to fuck off like that that 
ingrained itself into who I am. Like, but it was caricature. It was, it was yes. yeah. cartoon. Like, yes. it was deeply yes. camp. And, and Safi wondered, yeah. was the straight man. And yeah. everyone else around her was playing 150 and she was playing, like, five. Yes. I wonder you know? if that's part of what made these shows appeal to me was the cartoonishness of it. Mm. Because I obviously grew up loving cartoons and have since made a living <laughs> working with mm -hmm. cartoons. And I think, I think what I find more, like, what I really don't like is things that are cartoonish that don't recognize that they are. Like the American office, I'm sorry to say, I think like they they like thought they were a cartoon at first and they were like, no, we're actually like a show about important people. I'm like, no, like shut up. No, like no. <laughs> you've ruined the conceit of the show. Um, right. That self-seriousness <laughs> is poison. Yeah. And it's we I mean, we had I don't know if this happened in in British comedy, but in the in the US, I feel like there there became this kind of thirst for like super sincere saccharine comedy that was just a little too I have something mean to say <laughs> say I have something mean to say fuck Parks and Rec though that's Absolutely exactly what I'm fuck Parks of. and Rec sorry don't if anybody says happy Valentine's Day to me I will flip a fucking table you get that Leslie Note bullshit out of your mouth Leslie Note top fuck you like so smug so fucking smug you're gonna have to leave this on I'm so sorry you do a big long bleep you know, sort of no, to, like, to be honest, like I just finished. Well, we just finished the Parks and Rec rewatch. Oh, sorry, Alan, I hate it. No, 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 because like basically we've, we're making our way through sitcoms over the last two years. Yeah. All the rewatches. Parks and Rec starts very smug and ends very smug. In the middle, it's a couple of interesting. That it's good. It's a couple of seasons because like the Chris Strait, Rob Lowe's character is clinically depressed for most of his time in the series. Uh -huh. Whereas we always think of him as like this super happy positive character. He is clinically depressed and talks about how sad he is. Yeah. For most of that time, it. But yeah. It, Starts quite smug, ends quite smug. Starts very, starts especially very centrist. There's that anti-Venezuela episode. Yes, yes. Is real weird. Yeah. Um, with Fred Armisen. Yeah. 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 Although um, his, although his uh, jail shit, which was almost definitely improvised, is like, is funny. Like You can glimmers, right? There's glimmers. Yeah. Little glimmers of funny, right? Yeah. Overall, yeah. smuggery can fuck off. Fuck the good place. <laughs> Uh, it's the it's the <laughs> vibe, Ted Lasso. Yeah. Like I I got on the Ted Lasso wagon. I was like I'm down for this, and then I was like absolutely fuck you. It's it's uh yeah. I mean like and to like be perfectly honest, like Ted Lasso became kind of a a comfort food for me during what was like oh god we're back I, in the U S when mm. I started watching it, which was later than it, it had already been out a while. Um, this is my like mea culpa, but it was no, like, no. Oh, we're going it. back oh, into. Oh, I watched it. I, I love a good can, place, and I love Telasso. There's no like. You can look all... at my tweets about how yeah. much I was tweeting about Roy Kent. Like I watched that bullshit. Yeah, right? yeah, but the, on yeah. an ideological level, I was like, mm, this is smug. And I think it is smug. I don't think they know that they're being smug. Oh, it's even worse. Um, but that that I don't see that in these in these British comedies that I really love. I don't see no. smugness per se. Like I do, I like, I bet they're, you know, I bet they're tightly, I bet those people are tightly knit. 
I'm sure they don't necessarily want to hear my bullshit about like what their work means to me. (laughs) But I I don't it doesn't feel like they think they're they're not they don't think that they're doing you a kindness by making this show. They don't think that they're making you a better person by giving you through laughter. (laughs) Yeah. Like they don't think yeah, there's no there's no Messiah complex to these shows. Um, Mm -hmm. the way there can be with other comedies that can grow very tiresome. Um, And that's why, like, you know, warts and all, there's, I still get something from these shows because Mm. it's pure, it's like pure exploration. Like, what can we do? What, like, what makes us laugh? What can we get away with? Like, sometimes you didn't get away with it. Sometimes you did, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you fucking did. You're dead right. You're so right. Like, I think when there is... I think that there is a very, for all my yelling, which I will softly be like, Alan, no, please just, se- just censor, <laughs> censor me, Alan. Stop me. Save me from myself. Um, no, genuinely, save me from myself. Um, for all my impolite critique of shows that have a smugness to them, mm-hmm. I understand why they're smug. Yes. Yeah. Because they are doing something quite daring in a way. They're... Yeah. It's harder to be funny, as we can tell, when you are being nice to everyone. Yes. A lot of, yeah, a lot of beginner, like baby improvisers especially, but baby comedians in general, and some people never grow out of this, they think, I'll be mean, because mean is funny. And mean mean makes people laugh at first, because people laugh when they're surprised. And it's surprising when someone is an asshole to another person especially if it's out of the blue that'll get you a laugh the first time you do it and people Mm. will become intoxicated with that or they just aren't clever enough to move past that but like there so there is a daringness to just being wholesome but it's but but because it's poison like that that danger and that shittiness is a long-term poison yeah so it is harder it's a more complicated puzzle and there is a a coziness that you can get from Mm -hmm. the likes of parks and rec and yes uh good place and um though my kind of argument with the good place is is sort of an intellectual one i'm like did you read (laughs) books Thanks for telling me over and over again. Thanks for reading your tweets through the script. Oh my god! Like it's I didn't like I just didn't. I I fell off that train pretty fucking quickly. That's a tonal issue, but it's also largely a show about goodness and kindness, right? Like that is a harder battle to fight in this world, and I I yeah. respect people who do it. However, I don't have to. like I'm good I know where my moral center is I don't need a comedy show to tell me what's good and bad in the world do you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't find them instructional and uh, god forbid if you do find like if you are (laughs) looking for moral instruction from these places do you know what I mean like you're right about like I I don't know I don't know no I mean yeah like yes I think I think there probably is a I think there probably is a large portion of the population, not to like sound like a coastal elite dickhead, but there, there probably are people who are like, oh, I hadn't thought of that, you know, who do get messages like that from those shows. And so you sort of have to thank those shows for being Trojan horses for fucking manners to people. But the, uh, Ted Lasso absolutely is a stunning Trojan horse. Like I know. And it's absolutely. Like, yeah. It's a horse that I let into my... <laughs> Come on in, Roy. Get in. I need a giant horse. Would you like a wheelie bin full of ice, sir? (laughs) Come on in. Absolutely. 
you know? <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, Green Wing isn't trying to do that. And I also think there, the, a lot of these shows on both ends of the spectrum, it, it comes down to, like, length. You know, mm. like, Green Wing, two series, done. Gone. Yeah. And that part of, like, Parks and Rec went on for a million seasons. Yeah. And, you know, it like that's which feels to me like a very American thing. Um, I don't think. Well, I guess there might be some shows that you all do that with, but small they they episodes be, long. Yeah, exactly. Like Only Fools and Horses ran for like 35 years. And there's like 60 episodes of it. Whoa. You know? <laughs> Whoa. Right. Like there, it would yeah. be a billion episodes. Because if it was generally British narrative sitcoms have one writer. Uh-huh. One, maybe okay. two. So it's just this. Yeah, so they they don't have the factory or the the room kind yeah. of thing, so you can't like farm out eight episodes at a time with different writers. Like yeah. it's just, just one one or two people like sitting face right. to face doing it. Yeah, which is I, it seems to me like the I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I feel like the um, Green Wing writers' room is pretty large. It was like six or seven yeah. people, wasn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, no, huge. Definitely, yeah, for yeah. a show of that time, like yeah. I think it was I I was reading about it today. I think it was eight people. I think yeah. you're yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. And the fact that it was mentioned means that it's a lot. Right. You so know? eight people in the writer's room and then each cast member. Sorry, it's my dog. Uh, each cast member adding improvised scenes to that. Like that. There was a lot of creative input to that show that feels kind of extraordinary to me. Um, and it's extraordinary that any of it worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they were allowed try. They were allowed to see if mm. it worked. Yeah, you know, yeah, like that's huge. Yeah, it's so hard to stuff that feels that chaotic and dis- and strange is really uncommon now mm-hmm. because of how tight budgets are and how yes. quick the production line feels and yep. how sanitized. And I'm not talking about the the elements of TV from that time that are inherently deeply problematic or racist i'm right. not talking about that i'm talking about a very different kind of sanitization yes like yes do you know yes i know exactly I, what you mean where it's like oh the, we're, we're afraid to take creative risks outside of like just being a normal nice human person uh yeah you yes. know or like even vi- like even weird looking stuff or sur- surrealism even mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like it's so uncommon that you see it and that's why work from that time and this is why i'm really glad I would never have found Green Wing. Oh, really? You know, like I, I kind of have my little storage box in the back of my head or spaced <laughs> and big train. And like, I, I'm like, okay, that was from a time, but I wouldn't have gone back in to look for threads. Mm-hmm. And now I get all of that chaos and that weird intimacy that you yeah. can feel from those players. Yes. Because you, fe- you can feel that. And that's why I like the Creeps and Bob Mortimer is because you can feel their intimacy. Yeah, you know, you can feel like at its finest. Not to encamp black books, which was only written by Dylan Moran, as we know. Um, <laughs> you can feel an understanding happening uh-huh. in between Bill Bailey and Dylan Moran, and I you know. know, you can. There's a chemistry and a yeah. risk, a riskiness and a weirdness. Like I, I don't know. It's really hard to verbalize. Like it's really hard to describe. I no, it's, but it comes it. across. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm pleased to hear that that's the case for you too, and that it isn't just like, oh, I'm an American watching no. a show that isn't from America. Like, no, no, definitely, it's. I think mm. you're you're talking very specifically about a vibe. 
yeah you know yeah. like uh, there's a there's a color or a sense that that kind of time of shows have mm-hmm. that and I would kind of include the Mighty Boosh and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would I include... Think, I think that's in the mix. You know, it's from earlier, that period... Right? Uh, oh, Jesus, is it? It might be. I, I don't know. The radio stuff. stuff probably is, but I think the, the radio stuff okay, is okay. the same. Yeah. 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 Um, like, there was a time when weird shit was celebrated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. And yeah. given airtime, like long episodes, hour long episodes, hour long mm. episodes, and it feels so extraordinary, extraordinary to me. Um, Alan, do you know why they were that long? Yeah, I, I think they just had the material. I can't think yeah. of any other show that has that. Maybe because right. of the hospital backdrop, and people have them. I think because the mm. hospital show, as a medium, is like an immersive it's kind of predictable like uh, the hospital show is a formula so yeah. maybe people have a, audiences have like a better attention span for hospital shit I don't know like yeah, that would maybe. be my observation watching and I was like oh this is a hospital show right but they mm. hardly do any no they're no, not there's, there's, the actual no. there's no medical storylines no, at all yeah. not at all I love that as well I love when they don't try and make it realistic I know when it's just a I, bunch I, of pricks you know that, I love it yeah. <laughs> like I love it yeah, I'm trying to think, like, if I had to pick my favorite moments or elements of the show, what they would be. And I'm curious what they are for, for you. Because, Alan, you've seen this a few times now, right? Yeah, I've seen season one a good few times and season two for the only the second time, like, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we should caveat, season two starts real bad. Yeah, yes. It's it's like, it's, the episode one of season two does not feel like Greenway. Yeah, it's got like dream, like weird dream sequences. The camera's really fixed. Um, it takes like episode three to, c- to get back into its groove. Yeah, because uh, they they loaded so much plot into the last episode of season one, they had a low to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of happens a bit with the end of season two as well. Um, where like two of the characters are on the run for murder. Um, then there's the love triangle still going. It gets real weird. Um, favorite bits, it's more images. Right. Yeah. You know, when I was watching it, like the music is to, to kick me back in. The the music is so distinct. Is it Jonathan Whitehead who also did the theme song for Black Books? Oh Love wow! Music. Okay. Um. So like Sue White's big arms. Yeah. Will always stay with me. I don't so know why. Creepy. That's just an image. Um. That's why you can't do a dream sequence on that show, by the way. Yeah. Because you're already like, it's like putting a you know mustache on a dog like there's that mm-hmm. dog is already covered in hair this is already a dream sequence why are you putting a dream sequence within it <laughs> yeah. but yeah sorry go yeah, on it's all like weird physical stuff it's a really physical show they really do slap each other quite hard <laughs> they really do which I, which I think is kind of probably like like the cartoonish thing where it's like the yeah. Looney Tunes stuff where like Mark Heap is doing kind of like um fucking Yosemite Sam <laughs> kind of explosions sometimes you know it's that kind yeah. of level of like jumping up and down in fury kind of thing yeah right like he's not he's not a real person there's like yeah. you've, no, you've never met i'm sorry if you think you've ever met someone like alan statham but you haven't that person doesn't exist these are like mm-hmm. crayons from a crayon box they're not people um yeah. gosh yeah the visuals in the show are really yeah I guess yeah, the one enjoy. thing that I always remembered is um, the HR women all doing their sorting hat test and Karen <laughs> getting Slytherin and they all just shun her. 
Which I think yeah. is episode one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's early. Yeah, yeah it's early on. Mm. And she comes up with a bunch of fake names like Snumpty Bum or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, it's all visual, like weird, car- like like Caroline's Walk or like the way mm-hmm. Joanna kind of hang her like ranginess. Yeah. Joanna Clores, the way she hangs is really weird. And just the way she like peers suddenly like through blinds which just snapping back and forth between blinds I find really interesting yeah yeah it's considering I watched like 19 hours of this in the last <laughs> three days it is just visual 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 stuff I think yeah is there a character what, what are your fits oh well, I was I was gonna ask like uh, so the character that I surprised myself by like quoting the most just kind of just mm. the little earworms is Martin uh, he's not my favorite, but like, just like, I will sometimes just find myself going like funky or, um, <laughs> there's a moment where, um, uh, guy is trying to teach Martin how to like pick up a woman and it involves faking a phone call. Oh, Havana. That's yes. the first episode. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it Havana you like, said or somewhere like that? Or is Zorin. Zorin. Yeah, yeah. Zorin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he. So Guy is like, he he acts out noticing Martin as if Martin was this attractive woman that he wants to hang, um, hit on. And he's like, uh, he yeah, he mentions Zurich and he's like trying to be jet setty and mysterious. And then Martin goes and his take on that is, hi, mom, I'm in Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to make it a call to your mom. <laughs> It's just so, I love it so much. And so, like, hi, mom, I'm in Zurich. I, like, <laughs> it will pop into my head unbidden. Um, I don't know. There's just stuff about Martin that really, or, or like, when he's talking about his nicknames. Um, and oh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like, well, it started out as, um, it started out as Chuzzle Wit because we were doing Dickens and I looked quite Dickensian and then it became Chuzzle Tit and then it got shortened to Tit and then it got shortened to Tit and then it got long and elongated into Tit Brain. So then they just call me Tit Brain. I just, <laughs> I just like, no, they love me. Well, you know, they call me Tit Brain and it's just. And but Caroline that is how is so nicknames dismayed. work also that's the logical progression mm-hmm. it is that's always the lot like that's always the logical <laughs> progression like but i think yeah i think as as much as i love these other characters and their moments are so wonderful i just think he in terms of like brain worms for me like he he has probably the most um tit brain <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I'll say to Chris, like, hi, mom, I'm in Zurich. He's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I just love it. I just love it. He's such a little, a little boy, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah, because he was kind of, when I watched it originally, he felt like kind of a riff on Garth Keenan from The Office. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But much more abject, but again, no driving kind of motivation. He doesn't even have the the army to keep him going. He just has a lack of mother's love and a lack of professional (laughs) success. I know. (laughs) I know, the poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I was thinking it's, it's a little bit hard to recommend because of some of the stuff in it but also i do really want people to watch it there is a lot of really funny stuff in there i think yeah if you enjoy watching people like hit their heads really hard off stuff it's a really good show for that or just like watch like just go on youtube and search um 
like Alan Statham best of mm-hmm. you'll probably there's a scene where he <laughs> Olivia Coleman comes into his office and he pops out from behind somewhere and is uh down to his underwear and starts playing recorder and is doing this little Pied Piper dance he'll like stand on one leg and just sort of like hang there with <laughs> with his knee up and just like the physicality is incredible and I think if like fair enough if you don't want to engage with with the problematic parts of the show absolutely fair if you're curious mm-hmm. about like what it looked like finding clips on YouTube I think is honestly a pretty fun way to experience it the because minute it had me yeah. in the first episode was when um i've acted her face blindness blonde lady <laughs> tall leather skirt high heel in the mouth joanna yeah joanna's yeah. walking into the building oh, yeah yeah when yeah. the little perfect blonde doctor starts walking behind her and starts doing her walk yes yes <laughs> rachel yeah yeah, she's like, I know what you're doing, I was Rachel. Like, yeah. Oh god. But the very subtle doing her walk bit, I was like, yep. okay, we're sold. Yep. We're in here now. That's it. <laughs> like people who are equipped to be mean to each other and be weird about it. Uh-huh. Like that's what that that's what knew. I like. <laughs> oh, she could hear what you knew, you know? Yeah. So then you all immediately understand that this sh- everything that's been going on these walls has been going on for a fucking minute mm-hmm. and that's lovely like uh, again it's a lovely familiarity They're, you're watching a bunch of people who understand how to play together and like anything from that time is going to feel weird and bad sometimes but yeah. Yeah. you can take something good from it yeah also the scene with uh, Sue White and Joanna Clore in the bathroom when Joanna's like oh, just yeah. adjusting her bra and then Sue White like just takes her top off and starts like jiggling her boobs in the mirror. <laughs> and it's like that like kind of one-upsmanship that runs throughout the show mm-hmm. is also really fun to watch. There's a lot of physical comedy that's just them trying to best each other. And that's just very fun to watch. It is. <laughs> when they're it so is. good at it, you know. Mm. Uh. There we go. It's a good show. <laughs> Carly thank you so much thank you thank you so much it's always so fun and I love that every time I come on it's like oh we gotta talk about this thing next <laughs> you're booked for Ab Fab man I, I truly yeah. cannot wait that is that's important it is that's important. necessary mm-hmm. yeah that was you know? a big one too yeah please tell us uh, where we can find you promote all your stuff for us oh yes yes so um, it's been announced so I think I can say that uh, there will be a second season of Bird Girl coming out yay congratulations thank you Um, so I know in the US it's going to be airing on HBO Max I hope that's the case Uh, I hope it's going to be on HBO uh, worldwide I'm not sure how that works Um, so that should be coming out I think later this year I don't know what the air date is but Bird Girl season 2 so excited um and then Rude Tales of Magic, of course, where all your fine podcasts are listened to. And the same with uh, These Those oh, these those Stars of Space, which I think is new since the last time we spoke. Yeah. And yeah, that, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that uh, where Rude Tales is a like uh, loosely Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but high fantasy comedy. Um, oh, These Those Stars of Space is very much like a, a Star Trek love letter that is also a comedy. Um, so... Uh, yeah, both of those are put out through Fortunate Horse Studios. Yep. Sarah, where can we find you? In my house, generally. Living <laughs> like it's 2020. <laughs> staying indoors, wherever. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Grifsky. I'm on Instagram, at Sarah Grifsky. Uh, my books, 
Burn Vampires and Other Words for Smoke are available in all good bookstores. If you like zines, uh, I have a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash zine club. Alan, where can we find you? Um, I am Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Uh, Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter. Juvenalia pod on Instagram. Uh, we have a Patreon. We do. It and we have so much fun. Episodes. Yes. Yeah. They're so much fun. It's just me and Alan yelling at each other and playing each other's songs off our phones. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. I'm now sold. Yeah. <laughs> there was one episode that Alan was going to, Alan put on like a, if you, there is an episode of our Patreon uh, show started, finished that you can listen to on the feed, which had to be heavily censored. Mm-hmm. Um, for the terrible things that I was saying. Uh, so if you want the real unfiltered things that I've been Googling about Kieran Culkin, you should go and subscribe to our Patreon. He's five foot six, ladies. <laughs> Short kings. So you go. You can go to our Patreon for the further details. That's, that's where yeah. you should be. Um, well, so, oh, thank you, Dean McDonald, for artwork. Thanks, and Dean. thank you to Tall Tales for having us. Um, if you're listening to this to be comes out, we are doing a Juvenalia live episode at the Waterford Comedy Festival oh. on April 2nd at 5pm. Um, Do you have a guest I, No. Like, I got, <laughs> got home from America two days ago, had a DM saying, do you want to do this? I was like, sure, I will find a guest. So no guest yet, but there will be a guest. And Andrea Clear will be co-hosting because Sarah will be in Paris. Oh, um, Paris. But we're going to do a live episode in Waterford, in my, where I live. It's oh, fun. oh, I wish yeah. I could go. Yeah. Go because well, I can't. Yeah. yeah thank you do it for carly everybody thank yeah. you hopefully by now you trust me <laughs> you're a part of the you're um, a care bear cousin now part of the family back more than once that's it yeah. you know thank you like, one of us yeah yeah uh and if you're not there then we'll see you in two weeks everybody and bye <laughs>